We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. We've got a lot to dive into today. We're going to talk a little bit about Anthony Davis's shooting. And yeah, there is actually an update on that story. We're going to talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook, trade prospects with him, what that's going to look like, what success might look like for him next season. We'll also talk about the draft. Could the Lakers be buying a second round pick? A lot of things to dive into. We're also going to open up the mailbag. Joining me tonight, we've got Sean Davis from LakersNation.com. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Trevor. Thanks for having me back on. And yeah, I decided to join the uh, wired headphone gang with you instead of the <laughs> over the head. So there we go. Moving moving on up. The way. You know, people always ask me, why don't you just wear like the AirPods or whatever? It's because the microphone keeps taking over. Yeah. So just going with the old-fashioned wired. I mean, these aren't super old-fashioned, but the in-ear earbuds, it just seems to be the most consistent method. But in any event, podcast listeners are like, we don't know what you're talking about because we can't see you. So if you are listening over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do subscribe over there and give us that five-star rating. We sure do appreciate it. And write something in the review. We've been getting some great reviews lately. This is a fantastic way to help out the show. It takes about 20 seconds. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. Those of you who are joining us on YouTube, make sure you do subscribe and turn on notifications to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. It's going to be a lot going on over the next few weeks here. We've got the draft coming up in, what, just over a week now? I mean, it's right around the corner. We've got free agency. It is going to be an absolutely crazy time for the Lakers. So make sure you stay in the know. Subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well as the YouTube channel. Quick programming note. Some of you might be looking at your podcast feed right now going, wait a minute. We're not supposed to have a podcast out today. Yeah, actually, because the offseason is heating up, we're going to be going back to our in-season podcast recording schedule, which means that you get a fresh LakersNation.com podcast five, sometimes even six days a week, depending on how everything falls, Monday through Friday minimum there will be a brand new LakersNation.com podcast out there for you. So, again, there's more stuff going on right now. We will switch back to our off-season schedule, which is usually about three times a week. We'll do that once things all things settle down. We'll get into, like, late July. Then we'll shift back. But for the next month, month and a half or so, we are going to be all out 
five days a week, LakersNation.com podcast. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'm ready. We've had that kind of drought for enough time now. We've all been looking forward to the offseason to rebuild this Lakers roster. Let's go. We're going to be doing more podcasts just for you. This might sound crazy, but uh, maybe this is just because my first offseason work with you guys. But I'm definitely more excited for, you know, diving into all this stuff with the offseason, how crazy it's going to be than it was during the season. But we were really bad this year. Well, yes. And the offseason is always crazy, but there is that sense that, hey, let's let's fix this. Let's turn this around. Let's improve upon this team from last season and let's. Gosh, let's just try to forget about this horrible NBA season that we've had. Uh, It's been been awful, and I'm looking forward to tearing down this Lakers team, building it back up, and seeing if they can right the wrongs that we saw last season. I I do want to note really quickly, our new schedule does not mean that our live shows will be changing. Still do Mm -hmm. our live shows Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and Friday afternoons. Monday nights at 9, Wednesday nights at 9. Friday afternoons at 2 o'clock, all Pacific time, we do our Fun Friday show on Friday afternoons. So all of those shows stay the same. We'll just be doing some recorded Lakers Nation podcasts as well during the week. So, all right, let's dive into it. And let's start with the draft. Let's start with the Lakers buying a second-round pick. So Rob Palenka has talked about this. Rob Palenka has talked about, uh, really matter-of-factly, that the Lakers would buy like to buy a second-round pick. And now we're hearing from multiple sources around the NBA that indeed the Lakers are a team that's looking at buying a second round pick. There have been some teams mentioned, maybe the Pistons, somebody around the middle of the second round. Now the Lakers will have up to $4 million-ish to spend to buy a second round draft pick. Sean, what are your thoughts on, on their strategy here in terms of going out there and getting a pick? Is this a smart idea in this draft? We know this team has found a history of success with late picks in the NBA draft incredibly smart and I, i've mentioned this on end i feel that some of these players like you get into the 30s like those late 30s i'm not i don't know if the lakers will be able to do that but some of those players man like in any other draft class like for example andrew nimbard guard from gonzaga yep. um I, unfortunately we haven't worked them out so i don't think we'll grab him but in any other draft class in my opinion he's the first round pick he is for sure probably going to go into second round this year so that just shows you how deep this draft class is. And so I love the idea of getting one, potentially two second-round picks. And um, I think you're going to need to because I talked about this in a wing video about targets like should get in free agency for the wing spot. There just isn't much there. So maybe you go find somebody that can play the wing in the draft and maybe you'll grab a center, Travion Williams, if you brought up a lot. I mentioned him as well. Or maybe you'll get a guard. Um, so I think this is the right way to go. And I love the fact that they're getting, if not one, two second round picks. So for the Lakers nation, here's the key. While the NBA draft is on, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. You, you know, you enjoy hearing about all the different trades and the different picks that are being made and all that. I'm glad it's only five minutes between the, between picks instead of 10, like the NFL draft. Oh, man. Let's cut down on the time a little bit. But the key is when you get out of the first round and a lot of people change the channel, Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't do that because the Lakers are going to be doing everything they can to buy a second round pick. So that means they, if we may not know until they get to the second round, whether or not they're able to to purchase that selection from somebody. So if they can buy a second round pick that gets them in the game. And then here's the other key, whoever they pick, I'm just going to trust them. Whoever it is, even if right, we usually have in our heads a guy, right? You're thinking maybe it's, 
Maybe it's Trevion Williams, maybe it's whoever, whoever it is that you really like. And then you're upset when the Lakers don't pick that guy. Look at their track record. Look at what they've done. Have yeah. they had some misses? Absolutely. Absolutely. When they took Mo Wagner, that didn't quite work out, right? But they've had so many other hits. Taylor Horton mm-hmm. Tucker, Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Kuzma, Evidza Zubats, Thomas Bryant, you know, all these guys, Josh Hart, all these guys, they found late in the draft. These guys aren't necessarily stars, but they're for where you get them in the draft. That's a home run. Steals, find a guy yeah. who can play real minutes. Jordan Clarkson won six man of the year. For, uh, to find somebody who can be a rotation player in the NBA that late in the draft, that is a home run. The Lakers have done a really nice job of that. So whoever's name is called, I'm just going to trust that that guy showed the Lakers something they think they can use. I mean, heck, Larry Nance Jr. wasn't project, projected to go in the first round. The Lakers took him late in the first round, and it worked out great. He's still in the NBA right now. So – Whoever they select, if they are able to buy that pick, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've earned that with their history of selections. Yeah, I don't think there's really a player in the second round that the Lakers picked. I'm trying to think of one. Um, apparently, I'm a Buddy Bayheim hater because what I said last night, but I don't think there's very many players that the Lakers could pick in the second round that I would be upset with because, like you said, the, the track record they have – um, now you could maybe make your argument about like the spot, like let's say they go and get pick 39. I'm just throwing a random number out there. Pick 39, you take Travion Williams. Maybe you could be upset about the the spot you took him because you could just maybe consider that a reach. But again, like you mentioned, any player they take in the second round for the most part, you, you can't really be too mad because of their track record. It's it's incredible. Well, I mean, if you're in a situation, let's say I don't know. Let's say the Lakers traded up to number 30, right? Not not realistic, but let's just say they traded up to number 30, and then they took a guy that was projected to go late in the second round. Well, you could look at that and say, you should have traded back and grabbed another pick, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what you could say. Like the Lakers, what they, they did that when they got Josh Hart. They traded back a couple of picks, also grabbed the pick that became uh, Thomas Bryant in that, that trade. So you could argue that they should have traded back in that scenario, and that's fine. But in general, if the Lakers – reach on somebody or or it's a perceived reach they've done this enough where the initial perception is it's a reach and then it's worked out that i'm not even going to worry about that i'm not i'm just going to assume that that meant that the option wasn't there that they didn't have the opportunity to trade back and they wanted to make sure that they got their their guy again it could be that they buy a pick and they and they completely miss they completely miss on it but they've done such a good job over the years I'm just going to assume that they got it right because they've built up that that kind of equity until we're proven wrong, until it's proven to be uh, a consistently proven wrong. Exactly. Exactly. So this draft, I think, is going to be interesting for the Lakers in the second round. That's when Lakers Nation, you need to really start paying attention. There will be draft night trades going on. However, this is the other point we need to get to. What I don't want Lakers fans expecting during the draft is a Russell Westbrook trade or a Kendrick mm-hmm. Nunn trade. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but Just, both of those guys have not picked up their player options officially. We're no, we know they're going to, but they haven't done it officially yet. Until they officially do it, the Lakers cannot complete those trades. So we might hear some rumors, and it's possible that the Lakers get into trade discussions and one of those guys or both of them or whoever decides, you know what, I like that landing spot. 
and they go ahead and they sign off on their, their player option, and then off you go on a trade. But in lieu of that, don't go into draft night expecting a trade of Russell Westbrook or Kendrick Nunn from the Los Angeles Lakers because as of this moment, until those player options are, are picked up, they cannot execute those trades just yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not expecting a Lakers big-time trade on draft night. Uh, I'm definitely going to have a lot of fun. That's going to be a bunch of fun, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's it's always a blast. The NBA draft is fantastic. I don't know why. This is my like draft ritual. I watched the movie Draft Day, which is a football movie. Mm-hmm. But just, just to kind of get in that mode, and then I usually pick my guy. That's my Vontae Mack. Last year it was Bones Highland. Last year mm-hmm. it was Bones Highland. I was writing Bones Highland no matter what. That was my guy in the in the draft last year that I was hoping the Lakers would wind up with. Um, did not happen, obviously, but I got to figure out who my guy is going to be in the draft this year that I'm really hoping the Lakers wind up with. Who Who is your guy? Assuming the Lakers buy a second round pick, who is your guy that you're saying, this is, if this guy is on the board, this is the guy that I would love to see the Lakers take. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Max Christie from Michigan State. He's kind of, he's a wing that I think could step up, step in, and play well. Uh, if we needed a guard, then I would definitely say Andrew Nimbard because okay. again, he he's so good. He could step in day one and be like a really quality backup point guard for you. That again would probably be a first round pick. Um, those are the two that really stand out. Trevion's nice too. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other guys. All right. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. The NBA draft is coming up and expect to hear more chatter between now and the draft about the Lakers trying to buy a second round pick. But let's move on. A little bit of an update here. You know, we talked quite a bit about the story of of Anthony Davis. He was on that vlog and he infamously said he hasn't shot a basketball since April 5th. Lakers fans kind of got upset. Just a a little bit. Just a little bit bit upset. And understandably. We explained, we, we broke down why on one hand it's not a big deal, but why on the other hand, Lakers fans feeling a little bit upset about Anthony Davis saying that and that being the situation made sense. Well, we do have an update on that situation and guess who is suddenly back working out now? It is our guy, Anthony Davis. And not only that, he's working out with Lethal Shooter. Yeah. AD, this gets posted to Lethal Shooter's social media. And now Anthony Davis, just days after 
getting in all kinds of hot water. Lakers fans upset because AD is not working on his shooting form. Now here he is working out with Lethal Shooter. Sean, is there any chance this is a coincidence? Yeah, this is total coincidence. Like Lakers fans did in uh I know because a lot of people get to say, well, we they social media bully or like Twitter bullied AD to to get in the gym or whatever. No. And we talked about this last night, Trevor, on the Lakers Nation live live show for Monday nights or whatever. Right. That right around now is the time, if you're going off of what AD has said in the past about his uh, training regime, that right around this time is when AD's ramping back up and shooting every day and stuff like that. Because he said a month off, about four weeks off. Um, So let's say April 5th was the last time he shot basketball. Four weeks off. So just say May 5th. And then I think he said four to six weeks just straight in the gym, working out every day. So right around now he should be shooting. So this is no surprise to me. It is awesome. Things for example, lethal shooter though. He lethal shooter has a great track work track record. And this is awesome. I mean, the timing is just like, this just blew up a couple of days ago. And now suddenly it's being put out there that he's working with, with lethal. Shooter. I don't know. I have a tough time believing that it's just pure coincidence. Now, maybe, maybe this was planned all, all in advance, but even if it was, I would have to imagine that there was some kind of word that filtered through to Anthony Davis oh, that, hey, sure. if you're going to this workout anyway, let's make oh, sure something. this gets out on social media just to kind of calm everybody's fears and concerns and all that. And remember, AD shot 18.6% from three. I read you round up 19% from three last season. That's not good. But working with Lethal Shooter, hopefully that's something that gets his form right. He's got a while. He's got a, And this is why we weren't too worried. Trading camp doesn't start until end of September. He's got plenty of time, but I think this is a positive thing, and this makes me feel a little bit better that AD is indeed working on his shooting, working on that form, because if new coach Darvin Ham is going to run that four-out, one-in offense, which is what he said he's going to do, you need Anthony Davis to be able to space the floor. And at 19% from three, you can't do that. So I think this is a good thing. I think it's not a coincidence. I think at the very least, he heard a little bit of it. No. Yeah. And and uh, we've got AD at least working out with Lethal Shooter. And what, Lethal Shooter says it's been about a year and a half since we locked in. Was it? It's probably been about, about that long since we've really since, seen Anthony Davis in a good shooting rhythm, right? Yeah, like a year and a half is pretty much after the bubble. Right? So. Maybe a little bit more. But, yeah, that's right around – yeah. I mean, could this be, this is a major stretch here, <laughs> but maybe an explanation for Anthony Davis's decline in shooting prowess over the last two seasons. Maybe he just needed to get back and, and uh, work more with lethal shooter. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that Anthony Davis, this writes everything, and starting next season, he's back to being 30-plus percent, percent shooter from three that you at least have to cover behind the line. And we can look back and we say, see – all he needed Told to do you. was go work out with Lethal Shooter again. I will say to add on to your point or whatever, I think I, I think it was coincidence and a part of like he, this was going to happen. But I definitely yeah. think like you were mentioning, AD heard the chatter. It's like, all right, let, let's take a picture. <laughs> let's, let's take this picture. Let's put this thing out here. Make sure we're smiling so everybody knows we're putting in this work. Yeah. Either way, look, bottom line, this is a good thing. This is a good thing that Anthony Davis is working on that shot because I think it is going to matter. It's going to be a big season for him. Speaking of shooting, 
Let's talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook. So we are at a point now where it's feeling more and more likely that the Lakers will bring back Russell Westbrook. I still have my doubts because if you look at what happened last season, when you go back, there can't be any way that the Lakers are looking at that and thinking, yeah, let's, let's run that back. We, we want that again. And then I look at LeBron's contract situation and all the news that we've had with LeBron about him not wanting to commit to the Lakers just yet. And, you know, waiting to see, and that's his, he can, he can certainly do that. That's his choice. But him wanting to see what the roster looks like and everything. And LeBron wanted moves to be made at the trade deadline, and that didn't happen. So is there some kind of tension brewing between LeBron and the Lakers front office? We'll see. Clutch Sports walked that back shortly after the the, uh, All-Star break, I believe, right around that time or trade deadline. Uh, Mid-season, that got walked back a little bit. But nevertheless, I think the Lakers have got to feel a little bit of pressure to do what LeBron wants, right, And, and to try to fix this team. And part of that could be moving on from Russell Westbrook. So I wonder how that factors into the equation here. But nevertheless, nevertheless, Darvin Ham has spoken positively about Russell Westbrook, about bringing him back. And more and more rumors have surfaced suggesting that the Lakers, whether it's because they want to or because they have to, are seriously looking at bringing Russ back next season. So, Sean, we are not going to get superstar Russell Westbrook. You're not going to get MVP Russell Westbrook. I think, though, that if Russell Westbrook is back, it could be in the cards for him, and I think this is very much a possibility, for him to look better this season than he did last season. But what does that look like? What does success look like for Russell Westbrook in a Lakers jersey? Uh, Really quickly before I answer that, uh, Trevor, it can't get much worse than last season. Um Granted, we said that a lot about the Lakers team last year as well, and it only got worse. So. I don't know. That, that's what everybody's saying. Crypto can't go much lower either, and, and yet here we are. So, Praying for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think the biggest thing that is going to define Russ's success for next season, I think the team's success, um, is can Darwin get Russ to buy into a smaller role offensively? And by me, by a smaller role. Like a central? No, 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 because that's not going to happen. If we've talked about this on end, uh, benching Russ is just no, he you don't want to deal with the media and stuff like that. And you can accomplish the idea of why you would bench Russ by just by still starting him and adjusting your rotation, but putting him, making him a slasher, letting him do some more things off ball. Because I thought Russ. Like, that four-game stretch, I've done a breakdown on this. We've talked about it on end. That four-game stretch, I want to say in March, that Raptors game, that Cavs game, the Wizards game, and Philly without LeBron, that was Russell Westbrook's arguably best stretch of the season. And you know why? The ball was moving. Russ was used more as a cutter and a screener, and everything opened up, not just for him, but for the entire offense. LeBron was out. Was he out that entire – I know he missed He was out for the Philly game. The Philly game. He was he was there for the other three. And, but I, I thought it was wasn't it Washington that Russ was on his own? Mm-mm. No, LeBron no, no, had like thirty seven. That was Charlotte. I was I was yeah. mixing up those two games. Yeah, Charlotte was the game where Russ blew up, uh, and he was on his own. Okay, yeah. So like, Russ looked better in those ones as a slasher. Can how much can it be? Just be Darvin Ham's relationship with Russ is better than Frank Vogel's, or is going to be better than than the one that Frank Vogel had with Russ. And therefore, we're going to see more buy-in. Is that is that really what we're counting on in terms of getting a? Again, I don't think you're going to get 
great Russell Westbrook. I don't think you're going to look at Russ and say, man, this guy is helping us win every single night. I don't think you're going to get that guy. But could that at least lead to a Russell Westbrook that doesn't hurt you? Is that possible? All right, put it to you this way. So let's say you're playing Trevor. You have X coach and you have Y coach. I'm not going to give any names because I don't want people to look into things. We have X coach, you have Y coach. X coach is a fine coach, but you don't really like, you don't have a good relationship with him. You don't like playing for him. Y coach, you don't, obviously you can tell who I'm talking about though, but Y or X coach, whatever other coach I I didn't say. Uh, (laughs) Coach A, coach B, whatever. (laughs) Coach A, right, whatever. The other coach, we don't know if he's a good coach yet, but you you have a great relationship with him already. Uh, You you have more buy-in. I mean, which one are you? You, we don't know if you have more buy-in, but which coach do you think you're going to play harder for, the coach you like or the coach you don't like? Well, I mean, the, the coach you like, of course, you're going to be more willing. And and Darvin Ham, like as Matt the Optimus Peralta said, he's just that guy that makes you want to run, run through, through the brick, a brick wall, wall, right? I mean, that's – so I think that buy-in is going to be important for Russ. Is there a version of this – because Darvin Ham singled out the defense where you can envision <laughs> Russell Westbrook to – I don't want to use the word good <laughs> to not be not be bad defensively. You know what I mean? And I know yeah. like that sounds terrible. And I'm not trying to I'm not using that to try to like take a shot at, at Russell Westbrook or anything, but just in terms of all the advanced metrics and the eye test, he's not a good defender. But he's just not, especially off ball. He really struggles there. Is there a version of this though where Russell Westbrook is passable defensively? Because let's face it, like that's again, that sounds demeaning to a, a guy who's been a it's superstar in, in this league. But if Russell Westbrook was a passable defender compared to what we saw last season, that actually goes a long way to towards increasing his overall effectiveness as a player and having him on the floor more often. So is there a version of this that that looks like that? And how do you get there? Going back to the buy-in thing, in my opinion, a, a player with elite buy-in that's a below average defender is a serviceable defender. Cause if you have elite buy-in defensively, you're going to try the key word is try. It's just all about effort defense. I promise you it's like 80% effort and buy-in. If you do those things, you are maybe not 80%, but you're at least like a serviceable defender. That is not like a complete liability to your team. Cough, mm-hmm. cough, Jordan pull for the Warriors. Sorry, Warriors fans. If you're for some reason listening, but you're at least serviceable. So I think, and defense is a lot more about buy-in, and I think you do have to have some skill there. Um, and I, I don't think, think Jordan Poole is not bought in defensively. I think he just he's, he's young just and he doesn't. There's so much of defense is about the angles that you take, the reads that you make. It's your reactions. A split second defensively can be the difference between uh, a success and failure. So veteran players can do some things defensively. They'll pick up on that, but that's never been Russ. So it's like Russ, the athleticism is waning a little bit, but he also doesn't have the veteran savvy of knowing the exact angle to take. Think about Jared Dudley. When you think of of the term athletic, do you think of Jared Dudley? Absolutely not. No. And that's not to say he's a poor athlete. He's an NBA athlete, Athlete. right? He would make most of us look silly, you know, going into the gym against us, right? But, But... at an NBA level, you don't think of Jared Dudley as, as an athlete. And yet he still found ways to stay in front of his man because he always knew the exact right angle to take 
and exactly how to position his body. Russell Westbrook, well, uh, way more athletic than Jared Dudley. This version of Russ is still way more athletic than, than Jared Dudley ever was. It's like he hasn't figured out, though, the veteran side of it in terms of knowing the right angles and things like that to take down to to take and how to read the game. Can improvements be made there at this point? I mean, Russ is what, 33? Yeah. But again, I, I, I hate that I keep going back to buying because if Russ is really ready to, to go and want to win a championship, okay, cool. If I'm Darvin Ham, I'm not showing him anything on ball wise. It's the little things defense, like the off ball things, yeah. being in the passing lane, being an elite communicator defensively. Every great defensive, there's not been one great defensive team on any level especially college in the NBA that had bad communication defensively and being an elite communicator, calling out screens, calling out what players are doing, being in the passing lanes, being in the gaps properly or to what the coach's scheme is. So I, I do think so. Cause I think you could show Russ a bunch of film and say, Hey, Russ, look, you sucked at this. You sucked at just sta- <laughs> staring at, at your at the ball, like having be able to see both man and ball, which is such a high school level concept, but you have to do it. And Russ would stare at the ball and lose his man <laughs> cutting right was, behind him. Yeah, I'm, I'm picture. I'm laughing because I'm picturing in my head. Could Frank Vogel have done that? Now I don't know exactly no. what Frank Vogel's relationship with Russell Westbrook, but I'm just imagining if you put Russell Westbrook and Frank Vogel in a room together and had Frank Vogel telling Russell Westbrook, you sucked at this, you sucked at that, you sucked at th-. Like that, that does not paint a pretty picture, but I think Darvin Ham could do it. I think Darvin Ham is the kind of guy who could just say, look, Russ, you were terrible doing this and I need you to do this better. And, I and, think, you know, and Russ might, may actually respond to him. And I think that is one of the downsides of Frank's collaborative uh, film or what that's been reported collaborative film sessions where he allows players to do a bunch of the talking and stuff like that. Cause then you're just never really able to properly, probably being the keyword properly critique their game without them saying you're an idiot. I think this is it. And then Darvin's also played and he was a good part of the Pistons championships team in 2004 and he's won a title now with the Bucks, so he's played too. So I think it's a, it's easier, and, and it makes sense. Like it's easier. Like if you're a professional soccer player and you have some dude that just became a coach telling you something, versus a, a former soccer player who won a title telling you, "Hey, you suck at this." I think you're going to listen to the guy that played more or quickly sure. than you would the the player, the guy who just became a coach. So I, I think that plays a part as well. So the, the Ted Lasso effect is, is what you're talking about. You got to get your uh, your Roy Kent in there, there to uh, to figure to fix that. Um, offensively, I, this is scary. I'm going to show you something here. It's a little oh, bit disturbing. Man. Hey, you showed me this podcast podcast listeners. Apologies. They, well, actually, congrats. You're fortunate that you don't get to see this. So congratulations. Right. This is Russell Westbrook's shot shot chart from NBA.com. That's a whole lot of red. That's a lot of red. That is a lot of red. But here's, Sean, this is my concern. Forget about the red for a moment. And just think about the shot distribution. Just Let's just talk about the shot distribution for a second. You look at the shots that are coming in and where they're coming from. 665 attempts at the rim. You look Ish. at 
the long mid-range. 20 shots from one spot, 54 from another, 16, 43. Like, look, those are, that's the area that drove me crazy when you took the – I you was just about the, to bring that up. Like, look yeah. at that right long two, 13 yeah. for 43. Like, that's why you would – I had no hair during the season because Russ would just come down with 20 seconds left on the shot clock and pull from right there. That's the – yeah, that's the 20 seconds left on the clock shot that drove us crazy. But still – 36 corner threes. He was green there. Now, obviously, the top of the arc threes, 113 from one spot, and he only made 30 of them. That's horrifically bad, right? Then you've got yeah. 15 to 64 from the other side. But if you look at the distribution, there's not a lot here that's a true mid-range. He's mostly shooting at the rim, which is what we would have asked Russ's shot distribution to look like. So if you forget the fact that he just he missed a lot of these shots in terms of what shots do you want him taking? Yes, we can complain about the shots that he takes with 20 seconds left on the clock. We can complain about the mid-range shots that he does take. But this is still improvement here. So on the offensive end, in terms of making Russ a weapon, do you change the distribution? What do you what do you do? Because I don't I think this still needs tweaking, but again. This isn't far off from what you would have hoped coming into last season his shot distribution would look like, and yet it's so red. There's so much red on this screen. So what do you what do you do? So I think, and we've talked about this, and again, the misconception about the dunker spot, for example, is that it has to be a big down there. It sure. doesn't. Milwaukee's Drew Holiday down there a lot. Chris Milton will be down there sometimes. Obviously, Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. This could actually play into the whole dunker spot idea for Russ. And the biggest thing is that left corner three, 18 for 36. And even that right corner three, like, yeah, he's only five for 13, but that's not awful. Um, so that really plays into it nicely. If you wanted to experiment with that, allowing Russ to operate from the short corner with the capability of spacing out, because teams are just, I'm, a, I'm very much assuming a lot of these corner threes are wide open for Russell Westbrook. So I think that plays into Darvin Ham's and the Lakers' hands nicely. In terms of everything else, if you get rid of those early shot clock jumpers, which honestly, like, sure, take them with six seconds left, not 20. Um, I think everything else is fine. I think he's getting to the rim a lot. I didn't realize he shot that many threes from the left wing slash slot. Um, so that's a little bit of a red flag. Uh, but I think you cut down on the early shot clock jumpers in general. Um, he just has to excuse me, finish better at the rim next year. That's the biggest key. And I think, again, him shooting that well, surprisingly, from the corner three, specifically on the left side, really ties into what schemes he might try to implement offensively. Right. Well, we'll see. Maybe if Russell Westbrook's on the roster next season, we'll see if Darvin Ham can do some things to get a better version of him. Again, I'm not expecting super successful Russell Westbrook next season. I'm expecting uh, to see a better version of him, though, particularly one that can be a little bit more effective. And that may go a long way, particularly if you can get some minor improvements across the board. Um, a little bit of improvement in everything makes a big difference. So we'll see what happens with, with Russ and what success would look like. Lakers Nation, I'm curious what you guys think. So if you're watching over on YouTube, let us know in the comments section, what do you think a, uh, a successful season would look like from Russell Westbrook? 
And then uh, over on Apple Podcasts, let us know over in the reviews as well. I do want to open the mailbag because I got some mailbag questions that came in uh, via my Instagram over at, uh, at Trevor Lane NBA. So I want to get into, yeah, cheap plug. I want to get into some of the questions that came in just real quick here. So I got the question, uh, what are we thinking about getting Josh Jackson and DeLon Wright as having those two guys as targets in free agency with the Lakers? Now, Josh Jackson was actually in one of my ideal offseason breakdowns. Uh, he was in the one where the Lakers really went all in, and I thought he was an interesting target despite the lack of three-point shooting. But what about what about DeLon Wright? Thoughts on that? Uh, I don't see it happening for a multitude of reasons. One, I think it's going to cost too much. And then the biggest one, ju- even if you went and grabbed Delon right, just from a roster building perspective, that is such a bad idea. Honestly, I'd bring back Malik Monk before you go after Delon right. But the same reasons why you don't get Delon right, in my opinion, are why I, I'm not that high on bringing back Monk. Because just from a roster building standpoint, it doesn't make too much sense. You really got to go grab whatever wings you can, like an Otto Porter Jr. or maybe a TJ Warren. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I think they do need they do need a wing. That's the important thing. By the way, uh, that was from uh, from Kiko Mendy. But I, I don't hate the the targets here, particularly Josh Jackson. I think if you get him yeah. on a veteran minimum, might might be worth just checking out. And part of that is just the wing market is so so thin so slim. this yeah. season. Um. Another question came in. Should DJ Augustine return as a backup point guard? What do you think about about bringing him back? He was actually pretty good with the Lakers uh, this season. As a break glass in case of emergency? Sure. Uh, Be my backup point guard? Probably not. And that's my short answer. Defensively, there's definitely some concerns there. He is 34 will be 35 in November, so right after the season starts. He's 5'11". With the Lakers, though, he shot 43% from three. Now, you would say that's unsustainable, but for his career, he's a 38% three-point shooter. For a team that could use floor spacing, you could do worse. But, again, with so many veterans on this team, and I also I think the Frank Vogel factor matters here because DJ Augustine played for Frank Vogel with the Pacers, played for him with the Orlando Magic, I think Frank Vogel was the connection that ultimately brought him to L.A. Um, so I would be surprised if, if he was back. But, like, if, if all else fails, sure. But I think, again, the defensive concerns would uh, would give you reason to, to look elsewhere. Agreed. All right. Uh, what is more taxing for LeBron James? Acting as a primary playmaker or acting as a scorer. And I think this might matter for this coming season because the Lakers are going to be doing what they can to try to keep LeBron fresh for the season. Um, I'm actually going to lean scorer as more taxing because uh-huh. LeBron is a playmaker. The threat of him potentially scoring because of how great he is kind of opens up everything. It is such an elite passer. Like if he blows by his defender – the defense is going to collapse. So, like, him trying to finish through three players where he could just kick it out to an Austin Reeves for a wide-open quarter three, I think be, trying to be the scorer and having to score 30 points a game is way more taxing than getting 25 and 10 like we saw in the championship season. Agreed. Yeah, I think him having to be the guy who scores the basketball 
it's it's not only more difficult, I also don't think it's the role he necessarily wants. I think if he's got guys around him that can score, that naturally makes the game easier for him, both from a physical standpoint and in terms of just the burden he has to carry in order to get the team to a win. Because if he doesn't have guys around him that can score, he really has to create everything. Whereas if he has guys around him that can put the ball in the basket, all he has to do is be involved in the initial action and he can open guys up. He can pass guys open. That's the way he works as a basketball player. So I definitely think that asking LeBron to be your primary scorer is a much, much more taxing ask than saying you're going to be our quote unquote point guard or our, our distributor. Yeah. All right. Last question we're going to get into. What would Otto Porter Jr. and Stanley Johnson look like as a wing combo? We have had Otto Porter Jr. near the top of our list in terms of three and D style wings out there in the free agent market for the Lakers to target. Do you like those two guys potentially in a rotation together? I could see that be like an ultra big lineup, but like you're still technically small. Like if you went LeBron, Austin Reeves, Otto Porter, Stanley, AD, mm-hmm. man, you're getting a bunch of stops. <laughs> like, and then Otto Porter's a great three point shooter. Austin's been in the gym, so hopefully he can get uh, that three pointer falling specifically from the corner. Um, Stanley's been working out with a bunch of people and in the gym with Lakers staff. And then AD now with Lisa Shooter. Man, I like that lineup a lot, actually. Um, yeah, you got me excited, Trevor. Yeah. I, I think it does make some sense. Um, Stanley Johnson isn't going to be defended behind the three-point line until he proves that he can hit the three. Yeah. If and when he does that, though, that could be really interesting, right, for, for the Lakers. Uh, if you were able to put two wings out there, add LeBron and AD to that mix, there's a lot of switchability there. I think that could work out really, really well. And that's one of the reasons why I've got the Lakers targeting a wing is so you could have these super switchy lineups. And you think about a guy like Otto Porter Jr. He's got some size to him. Same thing with Stanley Johnson, have some physicality. So you could still have Mm. some rim protection. You could still have that physical presence on the floor, but also have the ability to defend on the perimeter. So I think that it would work out just fine. And I think I'd be really excited to see what that pairing would look like alongside LeBron and Anthony Maybe. Davis, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. I think that would be a lot. You know what I, You know what else? I think that would be a group that Frank Vogel would have loved. <laughs> he would have so much loved that group. And I was about to say, you're going back to the basics. You're going back to the championship team where, yeah. like, you're bigger, faster, stronger than everybody. You can switch everything. Heck, you can run drop coverage for all I care. And I think people think I hate drop coverage. But you could do it with this lineup. Like, this lineup, man, you're going to get a lot of stops with this lineup. And I'm... Man, you got me excited, Trevor. Let's go. (laughs) Well, that is a good place to end it then. We'll end with that positive, imagining Otto Porter Jr. in the Lakers lineup and what that could actually look like. But Lakers Nation, thank you guys so much for for joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Of course, don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts as well. Leave us that five-star rating and review. Sean, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for, uh, for coming on here. Yeah, man. And I, I love that we're back into these full five days a week podcast. And I can't wait for the off season, bro. That's right. That's right. Remember, coming up, this is going to be released uh, on Wednesday. So Wednesday evening. So tonight, even though we're recording this Tuesday night, uh, tonight we're going to have our LakersNation.com live show. That's going to be at nine o'clock Pacific time. We'll take all of your questions and comments from YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Then till then, everybody. See ya. And stay safe.
When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.